Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self-improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day-to-day routine, there's something for everyone. Remember Queen Victoria, the British monarch who once ruled the biggest empire in the world? The time of her reign was the Victorian era. People donned Victorian fashion, and buildings were constructed with distinctive Victorian architecture. But there's one thing not many people know about the Queen. She once adopted an African girl, thus saving her life. Perhaps we could call this the first Victoria's Secret? Alas, no. But let's first set the scene. It's the mid-19th century, and things are changing for the better worldwide, at least when it came to the emancipation of slaves and abolishing the trade for good. It's ended in the British Empire in 1834, three years before Victoria even took the throne. But liberating its own subjects wasn't nearly enough for the crown. The empire was on a mission to end this practice globally. Fast forward to 1850 and a British emissary arrives in Dahomey, which would be part of present-day Benin. Buying and selling captives was still common in this West African kingdom. In fact, its ruler, King Gezo, was known to capture people from rival tribes. That's why Captain Frederick E. Forbes of the Royal Navy was sent there to carry out this noble mission. But what he managed to achieve would end up becoming much more personal than that. During his stay, the African king introduced him to one of his most valuable prisoners, and it was a seven-year-old girl named Aina. Two years before that, Gezo's forces had attacked her hometown, which was in present-day Nigeria. The poor child lost her entire family, while she herself was enslaved. Before the tragedy took place, her father had been the chief of the Yoruba people, so she was believed to be a princess. No wonder Aina ended up living in the court of Dahomey as a treasured asset. But as time went on, Gezo decided that the girl was no longer of that much use to him. So there were talks that Aina was going to be used in a sacrifice. When the British officer came to know of the girl's fate, he decided to rescue her at any cost. And you won't believe what he came up with. Forbes asked the permission to take the child with him to England as a gift for Queen Victoria. I know that seems a bit strange, that a person could be taken as a present for someone, but hey, at least her life was spared since King Gezo agreed. Soon the two of them left for Britain. His ship that they sailed on was called HMS Bonetta, and the child was given a new name in both the captain and the ship's honor. Young Aina was now Sarah Forbes Bonetta. For a child that hadn't received any proper schooling, she really was a bright kid. Sarah learned English quickly and was soon able to speak the new language fluently. Her other talent was music, but the greatest of all was her passion for knowledge. Forbes referred to her as a perfect genius. 
he said that Sarah was far in advance of any child of her age, in aptness of learning and strength of mind and affection. He really did admire the young girl, who had been through so much for her tender age. Sarah's bright mind and charm didn't go unnoticed by the queen herself either. They first met in 1850 at Windsor Castle. Like everyone else, the monarch was impressed by this in her words, sharp and intelligent girl. This was the beginning of a beautiful friendship that lasted Bonetta's entire life. But of course, there was another side to this story that involved less endearment and more practicality. Captain Forbes, who became her guardian, thought that with her background and proper upbringing, the now anglicized African princess could help with missionary work in Africa. Either way, the queen was happy to help Sarah. She paid for her education and made sure that she grew up into a real English lady. She cared for her so much that she became her godmother. Though Sarah initially lived with the captain's family, she visited the queen every now and then. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Victoria was fond of her, endearingly calling her Sally, like a proud parent. Sarah played with the royal children and made friends with the queen's second daughter, Princess Alice, who was the same age as her. They became so close that Alice would later invite Sarah to her wedding. It seemed that things were finally looking good for the orphan. She had friends and a new family looking after her, and enjoyed the protection of the queen herself. And most importantly, she was free. But a year later, in 1851, she began to suffer from a terrible cough. Doctors believe it was because of the English climate, which was nothing like the weather she was used to. So it seemed only logical that the best way for her to get better was to send her back to her home continent. Sarah, now 8 years old, was sent to Sierra Leone, which was a British colony at the time. She attended a missionary school there for the next four years. Unlike the other girls, she lived in her own room and corresponded regularly with Her Majesty. Sarah was a good student, and her godmother often rewarded her with presents of all kinds, including books and toys. But despite all that, Sarah didn't like it there. In 1855, she returned to England, which, in the child's heart, already felt like her real home. By that time, Captain Forbes had unfortunately passed away, so Sarah was sent to live with a missionary named Reverend Schoen and his wife. The couple took her in and became her new family. Sally really liked it there and called Mrs. Schoen her mom. She lived in Kent with them for several years, but she always made sure to travel to Windsor on special occasions to see the Queen and her family. And still, Sarah's life was no fairy tale. Although she was close to the royal house, she could hardly take charge of her own destiny. When she turned 19, the queen decided it was time for Sally to get married. A suitable match was found in no time, and that was Captain James Pinson Labulo Davies, a British naval officer and a businessman. He was born in Sierra Leone and was of Yoruba descent as well. He was wealthy and, on the surface, it appeared that the two of them had a great deal in common. 
match made in heaven, right? Well, not quite. Just put yourselves in the shoes of a young woman being forced to marry someone you don't even know. It comes as no surprise that Sarah didn't really love him, at least not at first. The bright young woman that seemed so far ahead of her time strongly felt that a marriage of convenience would do no good. She said, Am I to barter my peace of mind for money? No, never. Yet, like most young women at the time, no matter where they were from, poor Sarah practically had no choice. In 1862, she married Davies. Their ceremony in Brighton was so extravagant that it made headlines. Bonetta had not one, but 16 bridesmaids. She also showed up in style with 10 horse-drawn carriages. But hey, she was a princess. What else can you expect? Although the royal family didn't come to the wedding, Queen Victoria commissioned a portrait of the newlyweds for her own personal albums. She wanted the job to be done specifically by Camille Sylvie, the same photographer who captured many members of the royal family, including Victoria's husband, Prince Albert. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Since Davies lived and worked in Lagos, which was yet another British colony in Africa, Sarah followed him there and started working as a teacher. A year after the wedding, she gave birth to their first daughter. Sarah named the baby after her beloved godmother. The queen, in her turn, showered the girl with gifts and agreed to be her godparent as well. In 1867, Sarah and her family briefly returned to England to stay at Windsor. That was the last time she saw her longtime patron and dear friend. Sarah had two more children with Davies, a boy, Arthur, and another girl, Stella. But it's no surprise that it was her eldest, Victoria, who had a real connection with her noble namesake. Her Majesty took care of her financially and admired her the same way she had little Sarah so many years ago. Victoria kept in touch with the Queen till the rest of her days. So I guess, like mother, like daughter. Sarah Forbes Bonetta lived an extraordinary life. Wherever she went, whatever challenges she faced, she remained a true lady and an aristocrat in her own right. Her relationship with Queen Victoria is such a heartwarming example of friendship far ahead of its time.